Welcome to In the Wake with Whitney. Here on this podcast, we cover mental health, life lessons, mindset growth, and tons of storytelling. Together, we'll laugh, we'll cry, and everything in between. I'm your host, Whitley Rogers. I'm a certified life coach and mental health advocate. I'm also a survivor of sexual and mental abuse. I'm here to open up those conversations that are normally uncomfortable or hush-hush in society. Keep listening for bits and pieces of my personal journey and insights along with other interviewees. Hi. So we're here this week with a Q&A. I previously had quite a few people DM me with questions or topics they wanted to hear on the podcast. And I love hearing from you guys, first of all. I love hearing your feedback and what you have learned from the podcast or what you want to hear in the future. It really helps motivate me in doing this and sharing with you guys. So after I got a couple people DM me with questions on they just wanted advice from me on what to do I decided to post a Q&A or actually post a kind of a survey so that people could ask questions and then I chose five questions to respond to they either were repeated or the ones that I feel like most people could relate to so We'll just dive right in. So the first question is, how do you show kindness and charity to others without letting them take advantage of you? The girl that asked this question said, I have been conflicted lately where I try to show love to everyone, but sometimes it feels like it's one-sided. I feel like I'm too nice and understanding when someone puts me in a negative situation. So I would say... You can love someone from a distance. You don't have to give them your time and energy. You can love them and have compassion for them without allowing them the power to suck the life out of you. The moment that someone starts to take advantage of you is when they know they have unlimited access to you. But you do not have to make yourself available to everyone. You don't deserve to be walked all over. And this is where boundaries come into play. Boundaries are necessary for any healthy functioning relationship. Boundaries make it so that both people know what can and cannot happen. I used to think that boundaries were put into place to make the other person change their behavior. But I soon learned that boundaries are actually for yourself. And if... Boundaries don't work in your relationship, then it's not a relationship. If they're not respecting these boundaries, then maybe it needs to be cut off altogether and you can love them from a distance. Because if it's a two sided thing, it's a two way street, boundaries should be put into play. So, anyway, I learned that boundaries are actually for myself that I can't control how other people show up to the relationship, but I can control how I change or I respond in accordance to their behaviors and actions. So boundaries are really put in place for yourself to determine 
what you will or won't do if the other person doesn't follow through or they cross those boundaries. And these boundaries are put into place to keep you safe in the relationship. They protect your time and energy so that those things aren't being taken advantage of by the other person. Also note that the people that get upset with you setting boundaries are the ones that are benefiting from you having none. These are the people that suck the life out of you and leave you feeling like crap afterwards. But you don't owe anyone your time and energy. Those are precious resources. And like I said earlier, you can still show compassion and love for, for someone without giving up your time and en- energy to them. You can be a kind person to everyone, to strangers, but not everyone deserves a piece of you. You can hold space for someone without allowing them into your space. I also want to say that it's not your job to save everyone or to fix everyone. I learned this lesson the hard way. I just wanted to help everyone with their problems and come to their rescue. But then people start to expect that of you all the time. And they become reliant or dependent on you to come save them from a crappy situation. And that's not fair to you. You have to teach others to be reliant on themselves by not being accessible to them all of the time. And this shift happens when they expect you always to save them from drowning. But sometimes in your effort to save them, you start to drown yourself to keep them afloat. And that's not healthy. You have to make sure you are coming from a place of safety and stability with your boundaries so that others don't drag you down with them. I also love the concept that I heard from Alison Faulkner. If you've ever listened to her podcast, Awesome with Alison, she is so much fun. But she said that sometimes people reach out to you to be the solution to their problem. For example, let's say someone wants to go to lunch, so they ask you to join them, and they are looking for you to be their solution to the problem of a lonely meal. But let's say you, your schedule is overcrowded and you are stretched so thin. You can either train them to always look to you to be their solution, or you can say no and teach them to find a different solution elsewhere. Just because someone thinks you are the right solution to their dilemma doesn't mean it's the right solution for you. It may not be the right solution or fit for you, so that's where the boundary lies, where you protect your own time and energy. Because you can't share at that time and place in your life. The thing is, no isn't a bad word. I know it gets a bad rap, and it's so hard for some of us to, for some of us to say, Trust me, I've been there, and I have most definitely struggled with this boundary concept. But once I built up the courage to start saying no in moments that I just couldn't spread myself any thinner, I then am able to replenish my energy for the next time so that I can be more present with the people around me. And that's the other thing. You have to prioritize yourself and your well-being. You have to take care of yourself before you start serving others. Because if you are extremely tired and 
in a low spot mentally and emotionally exhausted, you won't be much of a service to other people. You can't show up and give your 100% when you've been drained to only 20%. You have to take care of your needs and your well-being before you before you give yourself to others. And this is both for yourself and for the people you love. Both of you benefit from it because no one wants to be around someone that is cranky or just not themselves. So it's not serving anyone to say yes in those moments where everything within you wants to say no. So to recap this question, set boundaries, love from a distance, say no when needed, and teach others to find different solutions. So the second question is, how do you feel confident and enjoy your summer when you don't look like the perfect skinny, blonde, tan bikini body? (laughs) Okay, this one hits close to home for me because I've been feeling particularly insecure this summer and I'm about to go on a week-long lake trip. So this will be a good reminder to myself. So thank you for asking this question and bringing it to my awareness. Let's start with the skinny or fit bikini body. First off, there's no such thing as a bikini body. As long as you have a body, you belong in a bikini. Let me say that again. As long as you have a body, you belong in a bikini. As a society, we have subconsciously deemed that a skinny body is better and has more worth or value, but that's not true. It's far from the truth, actually. If we were all to eat the same diet and do the same workout, our bodies would still look significantly different. So stop obsessing over what you consume or what you do to try and achieve this body. It's It's an ever-moving goalpost. One second, thin is valued as better. And then the next second, curvy is better. Big butt, big boobs. So we never win because the moment you think you achieve the body that is more accepted, the trend has already changed. The train has moved on. And so I'm giving you permission to give up on this idea that you have to have the perfect body before you show up in a swimsuit. Embrace the body that you have been given and show up just the way you are. That is the bravest, most courageous thing you can do is to show up unapologetically yourself. One thing that I have done in the past is stand in front of a full-length mirror naked and saying affirmations to my body. It's only weird if you make it weird. But saying things like, I accept you. I embrace you. I love you. You have worth. You have value. You are loved. You deserve to be happy in your skin. You deserve confidence. You deserve acceptance. And soon enough, the more you do it, you will begin to retrain your brain to think differently about your body. And another thing I like to do is write a letter to my body and apologize for all of the times that I have treated it terribly and said mean things to it and just appreciate my gratitude for my body. Think of 
how amazing your body is. I mean, your legs carry you across this earth. Your arms hold your loved ones. Your feet carry the load of your entire life. Your hand touches lives. Your limbs and body parts all serve a purpose for you. And try this gratitude practice of expressing appreciation for all the things your body can do for you. It's an amazing creation. It heals itself when sick and wounded. It breathes in air. It keeps a heart beating. And it's just this marvelous contraption. That is the purpose of your body. Your body's purpose is not to be thin or curvy or thick or whatever society tries to convince you. So next, I want to hit the envied blonde hair, blue eyes, surfer girl look that everyone wishes they had. If you don't fit that mold, hey, you are still beautiful. You are worth loving. If you do fit that mold, you are also worth loving, regardless of your looks. The things you were gifted when you are born are just that, a gift, a creation so perfect. Think of when you were a baby. Your mom most likely could not get over you because she thought the world of you. You were perfect in her arms. You just being alive was a beautiful thing for her and a gift to her. And that doesn't change. You are still this creation that is worth loving and adoring simply because you are alive and breathing. We have this notion that if we just had XYZ, you know, blonde hair, blue eyes, whatever the look may be that you desire, that if we just had that, we would be happy. But that's so far from the truth. Happiness and self-confidence does not come from achieving a certain look. It may bring superficial confidence for a short period of time, but happiness is an inside job. So lastly, the tan skin. (laughs) Oh man, this one hurts for me because I am the palest, most fair-skinned creature on earth, and I cannot get a tan line to save my life. But somewhere along the lines, someone deemed that if you have this nice, warm glow to your skin, you are more valued and seen as a person. And I do not subscribe to that belief. It frustrates me so much because all summer long, I have been surrounded by people that lay out in the sun for hours just so they can get that crisp tan line and compare it to other people. Like, who's more tan? I've had so many people raise their arm next to mine to show off how they are so much tanner than me, and it boosts their confidence. They just feel so good about themselves. And the reason this is harmful is the intention of it. The underlying belief that you are more beautiful, you can be happier, you can be loved if you have a tan. And you see, you see it coming true. Like, if you accomplish having a tan, everyone starts to notice and compliment you on how good you look. But if you don't have that tan, you aren't getting the same kind of praise and attention. In Costa Rica, I was so self-conscious at the beach because everyone's goal was to just get the best tan ever. But I knew that wasn't possible for me, and I would never win. I would probably win the best sunburn ever. 
And it made me feel insecure of my body because it just came to show that the people around me valued me more as a person if I were tan. So my family just had our pool built and it was finished just in time for summer. So I've been swimming tons and tons. Oh, it's my favorite thing to just float on my back and the world goes silent and I just meditate. It's the best. So naturally, I've gotten the slightest bit of tan and my freckles are starting to pop out more and I'm a darker shade of pale without even trying or intending for that to happen. But now everyone comments on my body. Everyone praises me for being tan and points it out and tells me how great I look. Yet I don't feel great when they, when they compliment me in this way. I don't feel happy and confident and all the things that I thought I would feel if I just looked tan like the other girls. I feel even more insecure and even more low about myself when someone points out that I have achieved the summer body because it reiterates the beliefs that I am more valued as a person when I look a certain way. It also makes me feel like I then have to keep it up. I have to continue looking tan or whatever it may be to be good enough in the eyes of others. It makes me more aware and self-conscious of my body when someone compliments it rather than boosting my self-esteem. And I know that self-confidence and happiness come from within. And I know that it's not my job to look a certain way in order to be worthy of love. I just want to point out a few things. This is a huge comparison game. It's an exhausting cycle that you can never catch up to. And it's always leaving you feeling not good enough. So what if we unsubscribe to these beliefs? Leave the game. Unlearn these subconscious values. And as you do the inner work, ask, what do you value? What do I value in a human being? Do I value beauty and outside appearances and tanness and thinness? Is that a quality that needs to be checked in order for me to love another person? Think about it in regards to family members or friends instead of yourself. Would I love my best friend more if she is nice and tan? Or if she is thin and gorgeous in her bikini, would I love her more and value her as a human being more? Most likely, no. The answer should be no. And so, do you value yourself more if you look a certain way? Do you believe that if you achieve these things, you have more worth as a person? I personally value self-love, self-compassion, honesty, humility, things that have nothing to do with my body and what I look like. Because your worth is not attached to your looks. You were born worthy. Nothing can add or take away from that fact. And it's also not your job to be beautiful. I know we think as women or even as human beings that we have to look presentable and appear, appear perfect from the outside. 
We think we have to meet the standards of society, but it's not your job to look a certain way. You are not just eye candy to be looked at. You are a person to be valued and cherished, not an object or a piece of meat. So stop apologizing for your looks. You know when you see someone at the grocery store and the first thing you say is, sorry, I look like such a mess today, I didn't do my hair, or I'm in sweats, whatever it is. We say this as if we are supposed to appear a certain way all the time. So in order to unlearn these beliefs that I am a body to be looked at and adored, I have stripped away the things that I thought made me worthy. Straight hair, clear skin, or at least makeup to cover up imperfections, tanness, shaved, smooth, shiny legs. All of these things that I was subconsciously telling myself made me a better person. And I, in its place, I've been embracing my natural, raw look. Frizzy, poofy curls. No makeup to cover my acne. Shorts, even when my legs aren't smooth to a T or bronzed. They're glowing in their pale glory. And I'm learning to be confident in who I am, regardless of my looks. And I have felt on top of the world. I no longer have these restrictions or limitations that hold me back from showing up in the world and in my relationships. And for myself. And if I put on a bit of makeup or I straighten my hair, I don't feel better or worse about myself. I still feel this confidence and this glow from the inside out because I know with all of my being that I am enough, that I am worth it, that I am lovable. So surround yourself with body positivity. Whether that be in person or online, just people in general that do not subscribe to these rules and people that see your heart. The people that love you and value you regardless of what you look like. Get rid of the triggers or things that make you feel not worthy or good enough. Maybe it's a scale or maybe it's unfollowing certain people on social media. Maybe it's diet culture or the rules of society. No matter what you look like, you are not better or worse than the next person. We are all equally valuable. We are all equally worthy. And I love you all. No conditions. I don't care what you look like. I love you anyway. All right. Moving on to the next question. It says, after making mistakes in life, how do you recover and come back stronger? Okay, I think the biggest distinction to make when in this situation is that your worth is not attached to your actions or your decisions. Just like your worth is not attached to your looks. Just because you make a bad choice or make a mistake doesn't mean you are a bad person. We all make mistakes. No one's perfect. It's just a factor to being human. So when you're in the trenches of life and feeling shameful about maybe what you've done in the past or the mistakes you've made, I try surrounding myself with the people who can see my heart. 
that regardless of what I do or don't do, they love me. No conditions, no questions asked. It's just a concrete fact. Those are the people that you want to confide in and have in your support system, in your circle. The people that can look past your mistakes. The people that truly see your heart. And something I've learned in therapy is that whenever I'm in this kind of spot, I ask myself the question, what can I learn from this? I believe that if you have to go through something in life, you might as well get something from it. Or else what's the point? It's just a waste of time. So make use of your mistakes by turning them around into a story of growth and light and hope. The best way to get fulfillment out of your life is simply walking through life with that question in the back of your mind. What can I learn? Like I said in the last episode, when I am in the lows of life, I learn the most and I grow exponentially. It's the best period to take a step back and let your imperfections teach you a lesson. Maybe you learn humility or honesty or trust or just simply what what not to do next time. (laughs) And lastly, I would say to just give yourself some grace. Give yourself a dose of self-compassion and self-love. You are doing the best you can and your best is enough. If you slip up and make a mistake, don't beat yourself down into this hole of shame. You deserve the same kind of grace and compassion you would give your best friend or a child if they messed up. Apologize to others and then apologize to yourself and commit to showing up a little bit better, a little bit braver and stronger next time. And the cool thing about life is that we get to wake up every morning and try again to be better than yesterday. It's a fresh start, a clean slate. So don't dwell in your past and move forward again with that grace and self-compassion. I found that sometimes when I make mistakes, I tend to be the hardest on myself over it. That other people forgive or move on before I do. And it just comes to show that we really are our own worst critics. Sometimes I become stuck in this pity party or hole of shame after an imperfection and it becomes debilitating because my anxiety spirals over this one mistake that I can't even move forward with my life. So I think the biggest part to recovering after such an incident is committing to keep showing up to life. Continuing to move forward every second is the bravest thing you can do after a mess up because it's hard. But take it next right thing, one thing at a time. All right, this is a really common question. What are some ways to cope with anxiety? This question alone, I could do a whole podcast episode on. And in fact, I plan to very soon. I want to do an entire episode on my experiences with anxiety and then an entire episode on depression. So stay tuned for that. But for now, I'll give you the biggest tools that have helped me cope. 
This question is a little tricky because everyone's experience with anxiety is individual and the different anxiety disorders and maybe what things give you anxiety. So I'm just here speaking from my personal experience. I don't have all the answers. What works for my anxiety may not work for you. So take these suggestions with a grain of salt and it's a game of trial and error to see what resources are the right fit for you. So breathing exercises are the number one thing that have helped me in moments of anxiety or panic attacks. It's a tool that I can pull out of my pocket in any environment, any time and place. So when I start to experience anxiety, I forget to breathe altogether or I hyperventilate extremely in a panic attack. So I found that if I focus solely on my breath, it takes my mind off of my anxiety triggers and spiraling thoughts. So I count my breaths where it's seven seconds in, four seconds holding it, and then six seconds out. I hold one hand on my heart, and one hand on my stomach, and I just feel the rise and fall of my breath. That way I'm reminded that I am alive, that I'm not dying, and that I'll be okay. I like to feel my heart beating in these moments to help me become more aware of my body. Or there's these apps that I use to focus on my breathing where a bubble will expand and then close. So you're supposed to follow the expansions and breathe in and then breathe out as it closes back up. And it's a really calming visual. So I love the app Calm, C-A-L-M. This app also has anxiety meditation series that guide you through your feelings of anxiety to help you feel more peace and calmness. And then another app is called Breathe. So its sole purpose is to help you breathe a little deeper and calmer. I also use grounding techniques for anxiety because when I get in moments of panic, it feels like my head is spinning faster and faster and I can't seem to come back to planet Earth. So this mechanism is another thing to get out of your head and refocus your mind on an outside source. So with grounding, it focuses on the bodily sensations. So what are my five senses experiencing? What can I feel? What do I smell? What am I seeing? What do I hear? What do I taste? And identifying these things brings awareness and mindfulness to your attention. I also love barefoot walks for grounding. I will take a barefoot walk around my neighborhood or I will walk through some rocks and just feel the hardness of them on my feet or I'll walk through grass and feel the texture. This helps bring my mind back to earth. Oh, I also love my weighted blanket for anxiety. I recently got a 25-pound blanket that is made out of bamboo inside, so it helps with a cooling effect. And it is a game-changer. As soon as I cover myself with that blanket, I instantly feel this release where I am calmer. 
actually the first time I ever used it when it arrived in the mail. I wasn't having any anxiety, but I laid underneath it anyway, and it calmed me down so much that I was laughing uncontrollably. I literally could not stop giggling for like an hour. (laughs) I just felt so relaxed and peaceful. With my personal anxiety, sometimes it hits the moment I get into bed and I'm trying to sleep, but all of a sudden my brain decides to start spiraling and thinking about everything under the sun. So when I sleep with my weighted blanket, which is every night, it helps calm me down enough to fall asleep almost instantly. And these blankets are known to help with both anxiety and insomnia. The weight is just to put an even pressure all over your body, which has some scientific effect to help calm your nerves down. I'm not entirely sure, but it works for me. And whenever my sister or best friend or my dad come into my room to talk to me, I find them sitting under my weighted blanket. Everyone loves it. It's almost mimicking a hug which also has been found to reduce anxiety. So if you can't spend money on a weighted blanket, ask those around you to give you a nice squeeze. I've done it multiple times, almost on a weekly basis, where I don't even have to explain the context to the person. I just ask them to give me a hug and to squeeze me real tight. I'm usually like, tighter, tighter, just... Squeeze me tighter. So if you get an eight-second hug, it helps calm your nerves. So that might be a nice alternative to a weighted blanket. Or if you're not home, get a hug from someone. And then the last quick tip I have is affirmations. Saying mantras over and over to yourself when you are feeling anxious. That way you can retrain your brain and direct it to feeling more peaceful. Maybe you need to affirm to yourself, I am okay, I am safe, I am healthy, I am breathing, I am alive, I will be okay. And you could write these in your notes, on your phone, maybe have a sticky note in your car or bed or bathroom, or set it as your lock screensaver. That way these affirmations are accessible to you when you need to quickly remind yourself of them. All right, last question. How do you get through the times where you just feel so low that you think there is no coming back? How do I recover from not feeling good enough? Okay, this is a deep question and again is a very personalized thing. So I don't have all the answers. If I were a therapist or if I were coaching you and I knew more to your personalized context, I would be able to answer in a fullness. So I will just share my thoughts on this that are more generic or vague. So I apologize. First, you want to get to the root of things. What is triggering those feelings of unworthiness? What leads you to believe that you are not good enough? Follow the patterns of when that thought crosses your mind or that feeling comes up in your chest. And then you can work through those feelings of 
inadequacy and boosting your own spirits. Maybe your trigger is a certain person or a group of people that are bringing you down in the dumps. Maybe it's social media and the comparison game. Maybe it's the scale. Whatever is triggering your feelings of inadequacy, remove that toxicity from your life. I have found that when I'm in a low point or I'm just not feeling good enough, I absolutely have to delete all of my social media. I cannot be scrolling through the seemingly perfect feeds comparing my low point to their highlight reel. It gets me stuck in the mud and I spiral so fast into a hole. And if you aren't feeling great about yourself, why would you torture yourself more? with the comparison of social media. Ultimately, it just makes you feel worse about yourself and digs you into a deeper hole. So take a detox from social media and take some time to yourself to really practice self-care and nurture yourself back to 100%. And in these low points, your mental health has to be your first priority. Taking care of yourself and doing whatever it takes to feel better should be your number one goal. And also be your own hero. Stop looking to others to fix you or save you from your misery. You are the only one that is capable of that job. So step up to the task and save yourself. No one else knows the extent to your feelings or your situation. Truly, you are the only person that knows what you need So you have to be that hero for yourself. You have to be that person. And also cling to the good times. In a dark pit, search for that ray of light, that sliver of hope to keep you going. Any reminder that this low won't last forever, that the good always comes back. I know your brain tries to convince you that sometimes you are going to feel like this forever and that you are going to never get unstuck. But find reminders or evidence that counter that belief that you will come out on top, that you will survive this low. I also just want to tell you that you are not alone. I know it feels lonely in moments like this, but you are most definitely not alone. In fact, right now I I'm in a valley of life. I'm in this low point and I am just working through it until I can rise again. So you are doing a really good job. I believe in you. I love you. And I am so proud of you. I loved hearing from you guys and I loved responding to these questions. (sighs) Keep reaching out and letting me know what you want to hear on this podcast in the future. And I will hopefully deliver. And then I ask if you liked this episode, you leave a rating or review below to spread the love. I appreciate you being here and thanks for listening. For this week's episode, I want to share one of my very favorite pump up songs. The amount of dance parties I have had to this song is unreal. This song will no doubt put a smile on your face And it's just full of positive energy. So the lyrics read. (laughs) I'll try not to sing them. Now, 
I don't normally like getting up in the morning, but old Mr. Sun is shining down on me. So you chipped your nail, you stubbed your toe, you lost your phone. Life's a rolling stone on a broken roller coaster. Scream shit and move on. Throw your hands up and move on. It's all good. Today's your day. Time to fill it with swift transition. Put yourself in good position. If you want, things can go your way. Ain't no time to smell the roses. Gotta get to where the gold is. The road's already been paved. Here I go. I'm ready now. I'm coming for ya. Can't nothing stop me. I got some things I gotta do. I'm making a move. Study long, study wrong. Ain't nothing gonna happen on a song. I'm making a move. Don't need no hickeys for this song. I got joy in my soul. I'm making a move. Get up, get out. Mr. Sun is shining on me. I'm making a move. Got my leather joms. Time to move along. Yeah, I'm making a move. Chin up, keep smiling. Good days on the horizon for anyone willing to play. You gotta move. You can't lose. Get in the groove. You can't lose. Speed bumps only make you aware. It starts in your heart, so reach for the stars. You know you got charm. You can't do no harm. I hope you're prepared, because when you get there, you'll be laughing and wilding like the Prince of Bel Air. I've got this feeling, y'all. I've got this feeling. It's going to be all right. It's going to be okay. The lyrics, just reading them, don't do the song justice. You have to go listen for yourself. It changes your world. <laughs> so add it to your playlist and jam out. Thanks for listening and tune in next time. I hope this podcast left you feeling empowered, better understood, and less alone in this crazy thing called life. If you like what you hear, leave a rating or review and share it with your friends. Thanks for listening and tune in next time.